before I get started with, uh, with the sermon this morning, I just wanted to thank everybody. I wanted to thank the staff at Orchardville Church for being so supportive over these past few years, for being patient with me, for your love, for your acceptance. A few short things after the, you know, some of you know the, the incident with the rodeo a couple years back. First person that called me was Justine Loker. And she is, she's kind of been my mom away from home. She called me and she, she volunteered for Carlin to come over there and babysit me to make sure I didn't have a concussion. <laughs> I wanted to thank, uh, I wanted to thank the whole staff and, and it's, it's been an honor and a privilege to be here to, to serve alongside many of you. I've served under um, two administrators and two great pastors during my time here. And it's, it's just been, it's been great. I want to thank George. George Thomason is a wise man and, and I appreciate him sharing some of his wisdom with me. And, and it's not, he has good stuff. It's, a lot of it's been very practical, but there's been some portions that I'm not sure if I'll apply. like the tanning skins, and we had a conversation a couple months back about birthing livestock, and I just don't know if I'll ever get there in life, but I appreciate him sharing that with me, and it's been great. Um, (laughs) I wanted to say I appreciate Teresa Lowe. Is Teresa in here this morning? No? Okay, I can tell a story then. When I first started... uh, I was afraid of Teresa. <laughs> and let me explain why. We, you know, we have staff meeting every, mo- every Monday morning. We would have staff meeting. We'd all get together. And um, man, she would just sit in there and she was quiet. And um, some of us, myself included, we don't have the, the kindest of resting faces, I guess would be a good way of putting it. You know what I'm talking about, those of you that have like the mean resting face, it's just, what that means is when your face is relaxed, it doesn't look like you're happy. Um, and I was afraid of Teresa, and we, we had this system set up at the time, this, it was called Base Camp, and basically it was a way, to, um, a way for everybody to work together and to coordinate work, and um, we had this thing on there, Teresa and I did, and it was joined, and she was supposed to teach me how to run the check-in computers back in in youth, and um, I was just waiting because I didn't want to be the one to approach her, so I was afraid. And I think I waited for about two weeks, and I kept watching that, waiting on her to come down and say, okay, here, I'm going to teach you this. And she never did. She just took it off of there, deleted it, and I thought, I'm not going to make that woman do anything that she doesn't want to (laughs) do. But since then, we've become very, very close to the point where I'm in her, I was in her office several, multiple times throughout the week, pestering her, aggravating her, just anything to get her riled up and and frustrated with me to where she would send me out. And she said, you're just like one of my boys. You just do stuff to get on my nerves. (laughs) So thank you, staff. I wanted to thank the, uh, the, the youth and the children's volunteers. You were always there. Ministry can be difficult, even more so when you feel like 
There's no one else to help you. But after only a few short weeks in at Orchardville Church working here, I had people that were willing, that had a heart for ministry, stepping up into youth to help me. And you don't know what a comfort that is to know, especially, especially in, in this, this line of work, what a comfort that is to know that if you need somebody, they'll be there for you. And I've been so blessed throughout the years to have such amazing youth volunteers. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I just pray that you continue on doing what God has blessed you to do. Continue serving. Continue being there for them youth and serving God. I want to thank the teens. Now, if you, if you look at the teens, we have a majority of girls. And I, I blame my early graying of my hair on the girls that we have in there. And it's, it's not been because any of them have, have wandered or, or been bad, but just caring for them, I guess, has made me start begin to go gray. It's starting here, and I know for sure it's going to go back, and my hairline, I've noticed, is going up further, and <laughs> that's just life. Teens, thank you. Thank you for your kindness, your love, the respect you showed me and for being the incredible group of believers that you are. I love you. And one other group, parents, thank you for your support. The next thing I'm going to say, I'm, I mean it, you have a good group of kids. I can tell that they're being worked with at home, that the values that they, they get here are being instilled when they go home each and every night. This is one of the best youth groups I've ever seen. And I've seen good and I've seen bad, but this is one of the best ones I've ever seen. Respectful, they have manners, they're kind, they're willing to jump in. I'm proud of the ones, there's some that aren't even in here this morning. I know that they wanted to be, but they know that they have responsibilities over in the children's ministry and they're fulfilling them this morning. Amen. So parents, you're doing good. You have a good group of kids. All right, I got to preach now. How many of you have an oil light on your car that kicks on when you need to change your oil? How many of you know what that oil light looks like? How many of you need to get an oil change, but you're ignoring it right now? Come on. I'm one of them. Every time I start up our minivan, the little light kicks on and says, change your oil. Anyone else out there? That light's kicking on. You're just, well, I'll do it later. I don't like changing the oil. I don't know anyone that really enjoys that, that really, there's some things I like to do. I like mowing grass. I find that therapeutic. Changing oil, no. That's not, that's not my thing. And with as much traveling as we've been doing the, the past several weeks, um, I guess our car just has an indicator that after you reach so many miles, it says, okay, it's time to change the oil. And uh, that's not, it's not always convenient. Those always come on at the right time where you have a free weekend or you have a free opportunity or moment or when you have the oil at the house to go and do that. 
But I like that that little light is there. I like having an indicator that comes on and is very clear and very, very specific and says, this is what you need to do. I appreciate that. Thank you, Dodge. Thank you, Ford. (laughs) Now, what I've discovered is the car, yes, it will absolutely continue to run even if the oil light comes on and you need an oil change. And as I think about this and, uh, uh, you know, with our traveling and everything, because it's always a reminder, as soon as you start up the car, it, it kicks on, ding, and it has it on a little display. As I think about that, I can keep driving the car even if I don't change the oil. It'll keep operating at least for a certain amount of time. Correct, Rob? Yeah. And to, Carlin Loker, he's used this phrase many, many times, and I borrowed it from him, and, well, I guess I'll steal it from him. It works until it doesn't, and that's... <laughs> And he applies that to technology, to, you know, to the sound and everything this morning. It works until it doesn't. And we apply that to our lives. How are we supposed to react to God's indicators when our lives seem like they're perfect? When God asks you to do something else, when God changes direction when he gives you a new path to go down, but everything's perfect already, how are we, are we supposed to react? If you would, go in your Bibles this morning to uh, Genesis chapter 12. We'll jump around. I think I have three different scripture locations. Genesis chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 1. And some of your Bibles, they'll have the little text on there that it, it kind of titles the chapter. Um, this is the call of Abram who would later be renamed Abraham. It says there, and starting in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and your name great, so that you will be a blessing. You are blessed, you will be blessed, so that you can become a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will dishonor those And and those who dishonor you, I will curse. My version might read a little different than yours. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the place of Shechem. And let's stop there. Abraham, 75 years old. Let's pray before we go any further. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I'm asking that you would, uh, Lord, that you would give me the strength, that you would give me focus. And Lord, may, may it be your words, not mine. Lord, may I just be very, very, very transparent to the cross, Lord. Father, guide us in being faithful. Guide us in following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Abram is 75 years old. Get it, it, it gives us a good picture of his life. Abram's 75 years old. He lives near his family, lives near his friends. And if you go further and you read about Abraham a little bit further in scripture, you get a picture of uh, that he's wealthy. He has a lot. This guy is not is not wanting for anything. He's not needing anything. 
let's, um, but let's put it in today's terms because sometimes when we read the Bible, it seems, oh yeah, he had a lot of livestock. That's neat. He had a lot of goats. That doesn't make, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have goats. Um, Today's term, he's an older gentleman who's lived in the same town all of his life. He's known, he's loved, he's respected. He lives in his dream home. He's debt-free. He has a high-paying job. In fact, his high-paying job, he's the boss. He owns it. It's his home business. That's the picture of Abraham. Now, The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land. I will show you. That seems like a tough decision to me. And I can read through that and just say, oh, okay. So he, God told him to go and he went. That seems like, I I think that decision for Abraham must have been more difficult than what it sounds like. He had everything. And on top of that, I'm sorry, this crowd. He was an older guy. We agree, though, right? Okay. He's an older guy. Lived there his whole life. He lived there. His family's lived there. His, his father's 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 lived there. Has everything he could ever want. And God looks upon Abraham and says, I need you to leave. I have a place for you to go. Take off from there. Now, I look at everything that he has, and, and I, I've been in ministry long enough to know that people, myself included, have a tendency to pick out one or two things and say, this is the reason why I cannot be involved. This is the reason why I cannot follow God's calling on my life. And it's, it's any one of these things that Abraham have. Well, I've lived here forever. Everyone knows me. I've never left this area. Uh, My home is here. My children grew up here. It'd be as simple as, I'm not good at something. You look at all these different gentlemen throughout the Bible and, and and these women that are in the Bible. A lot of times when God was calling them to do something, they had phenomenal excuses. Remember God talking to Moses and Moses tells, tells God through the burning bush, my speech isn't that great. I can't really talk that well. And he's trying to back out of it. I think we all have that tendency that when, when God turns on the indicator light in our life and he says, I need you to do that, I think immediately a lot of our reactions, and this is, this is flesh, right? This is, this is sin flesh that does this to us. Our first reaction is, here's why I cannot do that. Here's why I won't do that. And what starts as an excuse soon becomes a solid reason for us. And we build that up in our mind. And we have to wonder exactly how valuable are we to God if we say that we have faith and we never take a risk or live it out. Exactly how valuable are we? Or if we say, I believe, I believe, but, it never, but we never allow that belief to become a driving force in our life. We say we believe. We have at least three Bibles at home. We show up to church most Sundays. But we never, ever live it out. We never, ever 
witness to a neighbor. We never take a step of faith. We never, we never move or do anything that is com- any distance out of our comfort zone for God. Exactly what value do we have? There are some of you, I'm convinced, that God's calling you. God's turned on the indicator light in your life for you to take some huge steps. And there's some of us that we know that we have some steps we need to take. We know there's some things that we need to do. And a lot of times these things are simple. Maybe some of you, maybe it's you need to be baptized. You know that you need to be baptized and you've just, you've dodged that for so long. And you have, at this point, you've worked up so many reasons. Well, it'll mess up my hair. I'm not really comfortable in front of people. Um, I don't want to get baptized in that galvanized tank that was made for livestock. Whatever it is. It's clean. It's not been used. Right, George? We didn't get that at a discount, did we? Some of you are being called to big steps. A lot of us are being called to take simple steps. I had a moment while we were at, um, at our last camp here at Orchardville, Camp Orchardville, which, let me say, by the way, all the camps that I was involved in this summer, I, I had a chance to be in each part of them, they are amazing. And if you, if you have an opportunity to be in part of one of them, it, just to volunteer for a day or maybe for a few hours or something like that, and you're not taking it, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Just let me say that. Camps are amazing. I had a moment, it was, it was after I preached one night, where I sat down and I began thinking how everything happened in my life, the, kind of the chain of events. Uh, I was saved at a camp when I was uh, 15 years old. When I was 17, I was called to preach at a camp. I was filling up water balloons in the back room. I was still wet from filling up water balloons because when you're a volunteer and you're doing that, you spray other volunteers. <laughs> That's what you do. And um, walked out of that room because they, they had all these, these uh, faucets and spigots in there and everything. And I could, if we were all to take a trip there, I could, I could draw on the floor for you where I was standing when God called me, to, called me to preach. And what that all spanned from was, I just wanted to go to camp, and I was too old to go to camp. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing, amazing the, the journey that God will take you on. <laughs> and that got me emotional that day, thinking, I was just some kid filling up water balloons in a back room. What on earth am I doing preaching up on a platform? And I've made a, I've made a lot of bad mistakes and bad choices in my life. But I have made some good ones. And I believe that when you're faithful with the small things, the Bible tells us, God will trust you with the bigger things. <laughs> Moving to Ohio has been less than ideal for what I would have wanted for my life. Now let me, let me clarify that. I want to be as obedient as possible in my life. But I'm not, I wasn't too stoked to leave a place, a community that I love, to leave a church that is family, to go into a town I'm not familiar with, to leave a church job, to go work in a factory. I wasn't very excited 
when I felt that God was leading me. But I came to the understanding that if I were to disobey God and stay here and remain youth pastor of Orchardville Church, I would be doing not only the students a disservice, but the entire congregation. So I came to that realization, it's better if I go. It's better if I, if I follow in obedience. We're moving from a town. What was the town in Andy, on the Andy Griffith show? Mayberry. Mayberry. I feel like I'm moving from Mayberry to Compton. <laughs> some, some older people down here laughed, and they're going to see that straight out of Compton movie. <laughs> We're moving out of Wayne City to go to a town that has a higher violent crime rate. Heroin's on the rise. It's about 50% lower as far as uh, church attenders go in that area. And have you ever packed a house while having three small children? <laughs> nothing, nothing has been easy about this. Packing a house while you have three small... You know what it's like? It's like trying to build a card house on a boat during a storm. <laughs> you get one box done and you think you're done with it. Nope, they're right into it, tearing it open. <laughs> so Abraham was called, go from your country, go from your kindred, leave your father's house, and I'm going to take you to somewhere else. I don't think that was as easy as we sometimes read it to be. But we know the story. Most of us are familiar with it. We know that Abraham, he responds, he's faithful when he goes on and eventually becomes the father of a nation. Now, I want us to jump a little bit further. Abraham was being called to go into the land of Canaan. And let's jump to another section here in, uh, in Numbers. It's Numbers chapter 13, if you'll go there with me. See, God has a plan. Abraham was called to go into Canaan, but, but some stuff happened along the way to where his children weren't exactly in Canaan yet. His work, and it was a work in progress. And here we see in Numbers chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 1, and we're going to jump through this chapter a little bit. Starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. And let's jump down to verse 25, because where else you get a list of every single man. At the end of the 40 days, all right, the spies have left. Moses picked them out. The spies have left. They went into Canaan. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showing them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Malachites dwell in the land of Negeb, and Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the most feared of all, the Cellulites, dwell in the hill country. <laughs> and, the, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. 
And so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone out to spy it is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And, they, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from Nephilim. And we seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. It's a big place. It's a dangerous place. We don't think we can make it. We don't think we can do it. Let me, let me say this phrase, and if, if you leave with one thing this morning, keep this with you. God's calling on your life will never be dependent upon your ability. And let me stress that again. God's calling upon your life will never be dependent upon your ability. If he calls you to go and to fight giants, he will give you the strength. He will supply your every need. God calls you to go and to do something that you're not good at. And here's what I've learned. God will call you to go and do something that you're not good at so that you're not doing it on your own strength, that you're not doing it on your own ability, but that you're relying solely upon him for the strength and for the sustenance for you to be able to go and to do that thing, whatever that might be. I hate public speaking. I get sick every single morning that I had to come up here and preach in front of the adults. Every single morning. And there's some, some symptoms of that I'm not going to share with you, but let's just say it's stomach stuff, okay? <laughs> and I used to hate that. I used to hate that. God why, why did, God, why are you cruel? Why do you call me to go do this? And you know this is how I feel about that. You know I get nervous with it. But now I'm starting to understand I'm a little grateful for that. I think I, I pray probably twice as much as what I normally would. Had I been some guy that was really good at public speaking and that loved it, I probably wouldn't, I just, you know, kind of nonchalant come up here and, and give the message and everything. But instead, I'm sweating bullets down there during the worship service saying, all right, come on, one more song. I get, we got to get through this. Get closer to the leaving time. But the areas that God calls you, the things that God calls you to do, he will supply. He will give you the strength. You don't have to worry about being good enough. See, they got it all mixed up here. They seen it. They seen the fruit of the land, and I love that. They brought back, they brought back the sampler platter out of, out of Canaan, right? They brought them the grapes, if you read that chapter there. And the grapes were, apparently the vine was big enough that they had to have a board between two guys' shoulders and set the grapes up on there. The grapes are good. Tell your neighbor that. The grapes are good. But don't let the giants scare you. And when you do something, when you step out on faith, when you, when you make that move, you're going to have people that support you and you're going to have people that don't support you. You're going to have people that say you're crazy. People that ask, what on earth are you doing? Are you even thinking? I'm, I'm being real with you. <laughs> but when God has called you to do something, you have to do it. And I've come to this realization at the end of my life when my days are gone and, and I finally leave this earthly body to go, I'm not going to stand before a group of men and women from this earth. I'm going to stand before God Almighty and I'm going to have to answer for, was I faithful with the time that you gave me? And I want that, I want that answer to be yes. I was faithful. 
For every person that, that stands out, that steps out on faith, there's gonna be a million critics. You're gonna have people putting you down. You're gonna have people teasing you. You're gonna have people giving you a hard time. Teenagers, this is especially true for you. Anytime you step out on faith, you're gonna have people bashing you. You make a stand, you're gonna have people bashing you for it. But keep that in mind, at the end of your life, it's not people that you stand before. It's not your, your peers in high school. This isn't a courtroom case. You stand before God. And you answer to him, and they will likewise. So as God sets you out, as God sends you somewhere to go and to serve, if when God has, has turned on that light in your life and says, look, you need to be faithful in this, or you need, to be, you need to be obedient in this calling, do that. Do not regret. Do not look back. Start letting your faith scare you a little bit. I'm serious about that. Mine's terrifying me right now. And I don't say that to be boastful. I'm just telling you, I'm literally afraid. <laughs> I laugh because I'm scared. <laughs> I have no idea how long I've preached or cried up here. But I do have one closing thought. So if the praise team would go ahead and come on up here. And if you would all stand with me this morning. Here's my closing thought. The joys and pleasures of comfort, the joys and pleasures of comfort will never be greater than the satisfaction of living out your faith. It might seem like the best thing to do. It'll certainly seem like the easy thing to do. But it'll never, ever beat the satisfaction of living out your faith. You will never have to live in wonder, but you'll live knowing I did my best. I served faithfully. So let's all bow our heads. Let's all pray this morning. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.